Well, so glad to see you again. We're uh, excited this morning as I get to continue in the series that we kicked off last Sunday in the series Kingdom Living. If you missed last Sunday, uh, we're going to be walking the entire fall through the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus' strongest teaching, his longest consecutive teaching that we got. It's just so impactful for our lives. If you missed last Sunday, I'd encourage you to go back and watch or listen to that message as I kind of laid the groundwork for this whole thing to understand the context of this whole, what does this kingdom thing actually mean? Uh, so that we understand what's going on. But I want to give you a little Cliff Notes version if you missed last Sunday because Jesus, it says in Scripture, says that he came declaring the kingdom of God. Declaring the kingdom of God. But what does that mean? The problem is the word kingdom means something a little different than what naturally comes to mind. And the word kingdom means the rule or reign. He came declaring the rule and reign of God. And people were excited about that. They were excited that once again, God would rule. They were, they were waiting for God to reestablish. The problem is they were waiting for him to reestablish what they thought of an earthly kingdom. The kingdoms that we see around our world, you know, with the king and borders and boundaries and all those kind of things. But in reality, Christ came to establish what I referred to last week as a dandelion kingdom. And I said, most of us don't like dandelions. And why is that? Because dandelions pop up all over the place, right? There's no borders and there's no boundaries to a dandelion kingdom. They'll pop up in your parking lot. They'll pop up in the side of a tree. They'll go everywhere. And that's what Jesus came to establish, that his kingdom, his rule and his reign would, would extend around the world through you, through me. Everywhere we are is a place to be able to usher in this rule and reign, a place where we come under the authority of God. God came to establish all of this not through earthly kingdoms, not through like brute force like earthly kingdoms do, but instead through men and women in communities who submit to his ways, submit to his values, his ethics, his mission, and his vision, okay? And so in this series, that's what we're digging into. What does it look like for us to live under his authority, to live in his kingdom? Uh, now, have you ever uh, looked at a picture or anything and been able to tell, unable to tell which way is up? You ever seen a picture and you're like, does it, does it go this way or that way? I received a gift uh, about uh, two months ago. I got a, a gift from one of our missionaries. Lovely gift. I got this gift. And it's in Arabic, it's the Lord's Prayer inscribed in this thing. The problem is I don't, I don't know Arabic. And there's literally nothing on the back of this picture that tells me which side is up. So for the last two months, you know, I, you know what? I started, is it this way? Is it this way? I'm nice. I even went online and tried to look at the letters, but they don't line up perfectly with these. And so, I'm not, so if anyone knows Arabic, you can come tell me. But, but there's things like this in life where you're like, I'm not, I'm not sure which way this one goes. There's other times in life when you look at something and you think you know what you see. But is it really? Like, there's a picture. Amber and I posted a picture. I posted a picture this past week. It's a lovely picture of Amber and I. You might see this. You're like, oh, sorry, it's upside down. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I put it upside down. Let's flip it the other way around. <laughs> you didn't see that. Go back to, go to the other one. See, you look at this. Our eyes are actually right side up right here. Everything, our mouths are also, you flip it back over again. There it is. There's times in life where you think you know what you're seeing, but it's not what you think you're seeing. And see, I think this is what, it's like living in, on our planet, living in the earthly kingdoms, is a lot of times we think we understand what we're seeing. We think we know how things should be. And yet we go to scripture and realize, well, that's, that seems like upside down. Well, I think what we're going to find in scripture is, is the reality is that God's kingdom is the one that's right side up. 
And the one that we're seeing is actually upside down. We just have a hard time recognizing it because we've been so ingrained and indoctrinated with the philosophies of this world. And so my prayer is, and I love it this morning, I had a number of people in our prayer time come saying the same thing, that God wants to take the shackles off of our eyes to help us be able to see clearly that we would know what are you calling us to, God? Help us to see where, how we're living is in conflict with what you desire for us and then help us to step into what you ask for us, all right? So if you got your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 3. Uh, if you've got a digital Bible, you can open that up uh, to NIV is what we're going to be in this morning. Would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text this morning? <clears throat> Nothing sacred about the way we stand. It's just our tradition to say, God, we honor your word over my words, all right? This is a little bit longer as we're going to read through the section known as the Beatitudes. A little bit longer here this morning. Beginning in verse number 3, says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, I pray um, that this text that is very familiar, God, I'm just God, I pray you dig it into our hearts. God, may we not just spiritualize this thing. Talk about nice thoughts, but God, would you change us? God, would you change me? I have no ability to do that. But God, your power, your spirit at work inside of us can do what we cannot do. And so God, I'm asking this morning, would you change us for your glory? Teach us your ways, Lord, that we can walk in. Pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Sorry. So we look at these words. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Get that out of my system. <coughs> we look at these words, and uh, I always say this context matters a lot. Context matters. In the context of this, we talked last week, the context of this passage and the context of the story of Scripture. So if you need to understand that, go back and watch last week's message. But I think it's also critical to understand the context of who was listening to this the first time around, okay? Who was listening to this message the first time? Who was it that Jesus oftentimes was preaching to? He preached to the marginalized in society. That's who he, his followers were what? It was the poor, it was the sick, 
It was the broken. It was the ones desperate for something. They were the marginalized. They were on the edge. That was who Jesus was walking around talking to. And more than just being marginalized in that way, they were also a part of a a larger community that was being marginalized by the powerful Roman Empire. Right? They were under the thumb of the Roman Empire. That's how they lived their lives. That's how they existed, all right? And so how many of you like uh, history class? Anybody like history class? Good, like 17 of you. That's awesome. Um, but we're going to take a little test here. I'm going to do a little ma- uh, history exam for you. I'm going to see if everybody can get involved. You put this up. Okay, there's a question for you. At its peak, what percentage of the world's population lived under the Roman Empire's control? Okay, we're going to do it by hands, all right? How many by a show of hands think it's 10%? All right, a couple of you. How many think it was 20%? How many think it's 30%? How many think it's 40%? The correct answer is 30%. How did you not know this? The answer is always C, folks. It's always C. Jeez, come on. No, 30% at its peak, which is crazy to think that one out of three people in the world at one point were under the control of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was huge. They were very strong. They controlled so much of the world and they did it with their power and by the sword. You did not come up against the Roman Empire without paying a price. And so when Jesus came speaking of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, this is what would have come to the mind of these Followers. This is what would have come to their mind. The, the way of Rome, the way of strength, the way of power, that's the thought they would have had. Okay? Now, when we hear the words of Jesus, right, they're challenging to us, but they don't feel completely foreign. Why is that? We live in a what I would consider a post Christian nation in many ways, but we are also living in a post Jesus world. And whether you know it or not, the teachings and the ethics of Jesus has impacted our world significantly, particularly in Western civilization. Most of Western civilization has been dramatically impacted by the thoughts and the ideas of Jesus. And so for us, when we hear the words of Jesus, they seem challenging, they seem over the top, but they don't seem like totally revolutionary. But, but for his listeners, this teaching was crazy. It was radical. It was absolutely revolutionary. And when we come to the passage today, we have to understand that each phrase Jesus gave not only defined the values of the kingdom of God, but they also refuted and rejected the values of Rome, which is representative of the kingdoms of this world, okay? And so for us, we have to listen with the same understanding. We have to recognize that whether we know it or not, we have been get indoctrinated with the philosophies of this world, with the values of this world. We, it's just what's normal to us. That's what's natural for us. And we have to recognize that, that Jesus is not only saying, this is how kingdom people live, but he's saying, don't live like everybody else. It's refuting all of those things. It's rejecting that way of doing things. And so Jesus is painting this picture for us. And what I see it as this morning as we were praying is this idea of, of the shackles being loosened. Because we think, oh, no, it's living for God feels like you're in shackles. No, you're living in shackles right now and you don't know it. And what God wants to do is set us free from the shackles of this world, the shackles in our minds, the shackles in our heart, to set us free to say, no, I want to live in the freedom that is the rule and the reign of the king of all creation. 
That's what he's inviting us into, okay? And so we come to the passage uh, that we're going to share here this morning, the text this morning, is Jesus lists this, all these statements of those who are blessed in God's kingdom, and it's a description of what a kingdom person looks like. What does kingdom people look like? Here, here's a list that's a target for us. But if you'll notice, it isn't a list of do's and don'ts. It's not like kingdom people do this, they don't do this, no. It's more about you know, uh, who we are and who we're called to be. The statements, the Ten Commandments say, hey, don't kill, don't do this. And this is, no, no, here's who you should be, the type of person you should be. But recognize and understand this. Who you are and who you are becoming must affect how you live. It must affect what you do. Otherwise, it's not really who you are, okay? And so let's not turn this into just this nice little fancy message up here that, oh, that feels so good. No, it has to affect Monday morning, we go about our lives, all right? Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to say this, though, before we dig into this. How many of you, when you are bringing groceries into the house from the car, how many of you do everything you can to get them all in one triumphant trip inside? You know what I'm saying? Uh, get all the bags, you know, if you get them all, uh, there's that last lonely one on the back seat, and you're just like, ah, you know, you bite that thing, <laughs> and we're going to get it into the house. Okay? We all have a tendency to do this. I'm just going to say this. If we try to do that with this, it'll feel overwhelming and you'll probably do nothing. So here's what I'm gonna ask you this morning. I'm gonna ask you to, to pray as I'm, as I'm walking through this. Pray, Holy Spirit, is there one you wanna shine a light on in my heart today? Because there are just one of these. Holy Spirit, is there one that you might say, hey, I wanna bring a deeper conviction in this area of your life. I wanna go a little bit deeper in this area of life. Can we do that this morning and allow God's Holy Spirit to speak? And he may speak something different to every one of us and that's okay. All right, and so uh, we're gonna dig into these and walk through these. So we're gonna go to the very first, and uh, Matthew 5, verse three says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked all about this last week, so if you wanna get, dig into this one, uh, go watch last week's message. But, but what does poor in spirit mean? It means the people who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy who recognize their desperate need of God. We don't come to God with our strength and how amazing we are. We come in our submission and our recognition that we need a savior, right? A lot of times Christians are known for their self-righteousness and we're saying, no, 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 God, we're not the person who thinks that we're the good one. No, we come to you and recognize we desperately need a savior. I was really challenged by this one this past week because I had a moment of conviction where like the Holy Spirit's like, boom, Greg, you're, you're, you have an issue right here. Because I, I had a moment where I, my mind was going and I was thinking about something. I was thinking about this other minister, just being honest. Thinking about this other minister who had done a bunch of stuff and, uh, that was just, that I saw, it's just wrong. And, and, uh, and I started thinking about it. And all of a sudden I could sense a self-righteousness in my heart. Like, I can't believe they would do that. I would never do something like that. And I just felt a prick of the Holy Spirit just say, you're still a broken person like that person is. But for the grace of God, you could make a stupid decision like that, a foolish decision. You could walk away. Can we operate still in a posture of humility to say, God, God, help me to stay humble before you. I'm gonna recognize, God, I am a desperate need of you. I'm no, I'm no better off, you know, just because I've stayed pure in that area. God, would you continue to help me walk in that way? That's a calling for all of us, all right? So it says, blessed are the poor in spirits. We go on, though, in verse number four, and it says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, the, this one can be a little bit confusing for us, because you're like, blessed are those who mourn. So is that God wants a bunch of bad stuff to happen so we have something to mourn about so that he can then comfort us? Like, 
That seems a, really, a little depressing. Now, there's scripture, as we said this morning, they're like, God is near to the brokenhearted. There's all these verses talking about, hey, when we're going through something hard, when we're walking, when we are mourning, there's this sense of God coming in his nearness and comforting and holding us. That is absolutely a promise of scripture. But there is a command to mourn very regularly in scripture. And what is the context that God commands us to mourn? It's over our own sin. You walk through all the Old Testament over and over and over again, there's that, listen, mourn. Mourn your sin. Recognize your losses. And this is talking about this idea. Hey, if we're going to be those who are poor in spirit, we also need to be those who mourn, who recognize our sin. And what is God asking? Not just, oh, I feel bad. No, repentance. Mourning that leads to repentance. Mourning that says, I'm going to turn away from that thing. And if we're going to be kingdom people, this is why this is so different than the world. Because what does the world say? Oh, it's your truth. You do what you want to do. You know, nobody can tell you how to live your life. But a follower of Christ says, no, God tells me how to live my life. And when my righteousness is not in alignment with his kingdom, then I submit and I repent and I turn away. And there is a mourning in my heart because I say, God, I am not walking in your light. I want to turn and walk in your light. In those moments, God says, I comfort and I accept those who have that kind of a heart. And my prayer for us is that we would be those who say, God, God, it's not this unnecessary morning. No, it is a pure, righteous morning of saying, God, I have broken your ways. I understand your holiness and your perfection, and I am turning away from that. That's what a kingdom person does. It doesn't look like what the world does. We don't like that. But this is what kingdom people look like. We go on and it says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Once again, this makes no sense in the natural, does it? Because in the kingdoms of the world, who are the ones who, who inherit the earth? Who are the ones that take over? It's the strong, you know? It's the aggressive. It's the bold. It's the courageous. It's the dominant. It's the ones who just pave their own path. They're the ones who are able to do that. But in God's kingdom, that's not how it works. You know, it's blessed are the meek. What does meek mean? Some of you are like, I don't even know what meek means. The two words that probably most closely connect to that are humble and gentle. Humble and gentle. See, again, they're the ones that take over there. Well, not in the earthly kingdom, but in God's kingdom, that's the ones. Those are the ones who are blessed. In fact, Jesus said, I am humble and gentle and humble of heart. Like he said that about himself. That's who I am. And that's who he is calling us to be. And some of you are like, well, that's not, that's not how I, I, I think the, the, the most dominant people in my profession don't have that kind of an attitude. That's great. That's not what we're talking about because that's a kingdom of the world kind of thing. I'm saying in his kingdom, this is what it looks like. And this makes total sense because remember, who did Jesus say was the greatest in the kingdom of God? Servant of all. It wasn't the one that went and was the whiz-bang person on the top. No, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who serves. And so I want to ask you a question. Who do you look up to spiritually? Who do you look up? Like, who's that person that you listen? I know, I know you love my preaching so much, but there's probably that other preacher you go listen to online. You get their podcasts that are way better than I am. I just want to ask you, who do you look up to spiritually? And is this reflective of their life? Because I thought, I think a lot of times in life, and we'll talk about this later, we have a tendency to elevate those not based on God's kingdom, but in other kingdom values, all right? We go on though and it says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be feel, uh, filled. Now I want you to think about who Jesus is talking. Remember, who is he talking to? Poor, hungry, marginalized, those who lacked who are in desperate need. That's who he is thinking about, all right? And he's telling them to hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are people who are hungry and thirsty a lot of the time. 
They don't have to imagine. They're probably hungry and thirsty while Jesus is telling the story. Remember all these times he would do teaching. What would he do? Let's feed these people. They're all starving here. We got to get them some food. They're probably hungry when he's saying this. He's like, that feeling you have, reapply it to something else. Now, some of you out there, you're full because you've had lots of food, but I want to help you understand this because some of you didn't have breakfast this morning and uh, you want to pull up. So maybe, maybe you would hunger for like this. How many like pancakes? You like the breakfast stuff? How many of you are meat eaters out there? You like the hamburgers, right? We like the hamburgers, okay. Any pasta? You like Italian? Anybody interested in some Italian this morning? You need something to drink. Let's get you a nice iced tea, you know, or maybe some Coca-Cola. We got the Coke products out there. Who likes dessert? Anybody like dessert? You got to get this. Everybody can go for a donut, right? Like, we're all good with donuts, right? Okay, now that you're sufficiently hungry, that, that's what Jesus says we should be hungering for, righteousness. And not righteous in your eyes, not hungering and thirsting to do what you think is right. It's saying, God, what are you asking of me? What, what have you demanded of me, of a follower of Christ? What does that look like? I want to hunger and thirst for that. I, I want to do that thing. And in this world, again, this seems like a really weird thing to have. Like, I'm going to really hunger and like pursue like just with everything that I've got for righteousness. That's weird in this world. You're right. It is in this world. In God's kingdom, that's the norm. Like that's normal. All right. And so when we aren't operating that, God's saying, listen, you're, you're operating outside of kingdom value. Like we don't live that way. We don't do our, no, we're constantly pursuing righteousness. And with righteousness, there's other things that come along, righteousness and justice and those things that we must pursue. But it all fundamentally doesn't come from what man's ideas of any of those concepts are. It is what does God say about it? That's what we submit to. And we pursue that. That's what kingdom people look like. So we go on. It says this in Matthew chapter five, verse seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Uh, we live in a world of vengeance, don't we? It's like cancel called. Everybody gets canceled for whatever they do. And we just take vengeance out on everybody else. It's like everybody wants to make themselves feel better by tearing someone else down. And God's saying, that's great in the kingdom of this world. But in my kingdom, we don't operate that way. We extend mercy. And he ties something here. And this is, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's very similar to the prayer Jesus prayed, right? What? Forgive others as you forgive me. I forgive others as you forgive. It's this tying together, right? He's saying, to the level that you forgive others, you're going to be forgiven. And, and he's asking us, hey, be merciful. Why? Because I've been merciful to you when you didn't deserve it. And kingdom people are called to another level of mercy. And you'd say, yeah, but sometimes people are going to walk over me if I'm being merciful. Yep. In this kingdom, you will. But in God's kingdom, you'll be blessed. Because he's asking you to live differently. Okay? He's asking you to, to serve a totally different kingdom. So we go on. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I think this phrase, pure in heart, is critical for the rest of the Sermon on the Mount because you're going to notice over and over again that Jesus talks about very specific elements of, of righteousness. He talks about it, but in every area, he digs it even deeper. He says, listen, the exterior stuff isn't enough. You got to get deeper down to the heart. Remember, who did Jesus get frustrated with over and over again? The Pharisees. And why was that? He said, it you clean the outside of your cup, but the inside is filthy, right? The outside, you look all pretty. And, and we are guilty of the same thing in this world because what do we live in? An Instagram society, right? Just put a filter on that thing and you look all pretty, right? You got, the, you got the baggy eyes and all that stuff. You just slip a little filter on that. You look good again, right? 
I love it. It makes my gray hair look brown if I do the right filter, okay? But that's the world that we live in. And Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, that's fine in this kingdom, but I care what's going on in here. I care where your heart's at. Not just, to, not just do you look spiritual, right? Not just do you look like you have an intimate relationship with Christ, do you? I don't care that you're acting nice, but do you actually have love for someone? Do you, care, do you lay down your rights and care for them when nobody else is looking? He's saying that's the kind of people, that's what kingdom followers look like. They're holistic, right? There's integrity. We know what the word integrity means. However you dice this thing, you get the same thing. He's saying, I don't just want pure on the outside. I want pure on the inside. I want a heart that is submitted to me. There's a verse that we challenged the small groups with last week out of Psalm 139. It's a prayer that David prays. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I think this is the kind of prayer that we need to pray before God regularly to say, God, not just do I feel like I'm doing the right things, but God, search my heart. And if there's any impurity in me, if there's any bad attitude in me, God, would you shine a light on it so that I can confess it, right? I can mourn that moment and turn in repentance and submission to you again. Like that's what a kingdom person does, constantly coming back to the Father, right? So we go on and it says this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now that's a description of our world, peaceful, right? Just so peaceful all the time. Just so good. But it's not just the big stuff in your life, in your world. My guess is you don't walk around just, there's just peace in every relationship, every circumstance I got. It's just so peaceful all the time. And he's saying, listen, my kingdom people are not the ones who walk in looking to ruffle the feathers and mess things up more. No, they're walking in with a predisposition to be a peacemaker. Now, does that mean you walk around and you never confront anyone? No, watch Jesus' life. There were plenty of times when he went and he confronted someone, but his heart's desire was not to just make mess for, for mess's sake. His desire was to come and lead people toward repentance. And the calling is, what are, what are we? Are we those who walk into circumstances, whether it's in your home, whether it's in the office, whether it's at school, wherever it is, are we walking in with an intentional attitude to say, God, how can I make and bring peace in this circumstance, in this relationship? Or are we kind of just like poking? Remember I talked about a couple, couple of weeks ago, we have the spiritual gift of poking the bear, right? Some of us do that. And God's calling us, no, would we live differently? In fact, it says it this way in Romans. Uh, it says, if it is possible, as far, I love this phrase, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Anybody have somebody in their life that everything you try, there's nothing that works and they're still mad at you and frustrated with you at times? We have that in times of life. Like, I did everything I could. Okay, that's what you're responsible to do. But I would guess that there's some people in your life that you haven't done everything you could. <laughs> You've tapped, well, they're annoying. They're really annoying. They're frustrating. Okay, great. As far as it depends on you, like you're going to be the one. And at the end of the day, you can stand before God and say, hey, God, I did everything I could to the best of my ability to help be at, live at peace with this person, but there's nothing I could do. And I can walk away. I've had people in my life that way where I've had to get to the point where I've said, God, I've done everything I can. At this point, it's on them if they want to have any restoration. I can't do anything about that. Um, but I have done everything as far as it depends on me. And that's what kingdom people look like. We are those who pursue that. We don't do what the world does. We live differently, all right? Lastly, we get to this section. I'm gonna kind of combine this all together. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Hear this. Doing the right thing in God's kingdom may hurt you in this kingdom. Just know that. Some of you have felt that before. Like, but I did the right thing, God. Why is it so rough? Because you're living in this kingdom right now. And doing the right thing in God's kingdom sometimes will hurt you in this kingdom. And you just have to know that ahead of time. I think a lot of times, it's, you know, I say this all the time, frustration is unmet expectation. When you expect or you've been fed the line that, oh, if I follow Jesus, it's going to be great and I'm not going to have any pain and my relationships are going to be awesome and I'm going to be rich and I'm going to be all those things. If you get fed that line, then you get ticked off and you say, this gospel thing doesn't work. It, it's not meant to work. It's meant for your submission into. Say, God, I'm here to submit to your gospel, to your ways, to your, to your lordship. You're the king. I'm not. I'm here to serve you. You're not here to serve me. Okay? And so we recognize Jesus is saying their faithfulness to me is not contingent, right? These people, their faithfulness is not contingent. I think sometimes as Christians, we can claim persecution in uh, ways that we're not being persecuted. <laughs> oh, I'm just being persecuted because I'm a follower. No, you're being persecuted because you're acting like a jerk, okay? <laughs> like, just be honest. Like, you're really annoying people right now. Like, that's why you're being persecuted. Like, you're not being persecuted because you're just so grace-filled and so loving and so great. You know, like, that's not the reason, okay? Now, will there be times that you're persecuted because you stand for righteousness? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we're saying here. But I just say, don't cry wolf, all right? Like, let's, let's make sure when, when you think you're perceiving per persecution, it would be a good thing for you to say, how am I being persecuted? Am I being persecuted for righteousness? Am I being persecuted because of Christ some way? Or am I just acting foolishly? All right? Ask the question. Make sure we're taking the right step here. But be confident and know this, that Jesus already said, there will be times when you are persecuted. And I think increasingly in a culture that morally is far, veering further and further away from scriptural morality, it will be more of, more of a persecution when you try to walk in righteousness. It's just reality, all right? And so we have to know that ahead of time. And God is calling us, are we going to be kingdom people who follow his ways in every way? And I want to say this. Yeah, I, I like this phrase that sometimes we feel like we're being persecuted for self-righteousness. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make a stink about something. I'm like, oh, I'm being persecuted. Okay. Let's make sure it's righteousness, okay? So I, I, I want to close here before we get to the big so what, and I just want to say this, that what I just described to you is at odds with our culture at large, is it not? Like, this is, this is not the way the world lives. And that makes sense. And we're infiltrated with this mindset all the time. And so, so we have to be aware of that. But I do want to say this that this mindset also infiltrates the church at times. And I, and I alluded to this earlier, that, that there are, oftentimes we get all just amazed when we have spiritual leaders that fall at times. And sometimes that happens because of really poor decisions, foolish decisions. But I do say that we have a tendency inside of the church at large, and even in smaller groups in this church, there's a temptation to do the same thing, that we value the same thing the world does. And so oftentimes we will elevate people into leadership positions. Why? Well, they're an inspirational speaker and they've got really strong leadership gifts. And so let's put them into spiritual leadership. Better question. Do they embody this Sermon on the Mount? Is that who they are? 
Because think about it. How many dynamic preachers do you know or great supposed spiritual leaders you look at like, man, humility is not one of their gifts. Or, you know, like they're not gentle. There's not a humility there. I'm not really seeing them hungering and thirsting for righteousness. They look like everybody else in the world does. Or there's no mercy. There's no purity to that. Like, like I'm not sure about those kind of things. And, and I just, I turn the mirror onto myself and I say, God, okay, we've been put into this mission. Amber and I are put in the position of the leaders of this church. And do we hope that we inspire you when we speak? Yup, I hope I do. And I hope that when we, we're up here, I hope that we're competent leaders and we can lead well and, and do that to the best of our ability. But more than that, my prayer is that we would look like this sermon, that we would embody the values of the kingdom of God, that when you look at us, you say, wow, he's a good speaker. Oh, wow, they're nice leaders. But more than that, that's somebody who embodies humility. That is somebody who is meek. That's somebody who's pursuing righteousness and hungering and thirsting. That that's somebody who is a pure heart, who acts in mercy, right? Sometimes people are jerks to him and he still has a heart of mercy toward them and compassion toward them. That I would be a peacemaker, right? Like I'm not looking to pick fights with people, but I'm operating to try to say, as far as it is up to me, I'm gonna live at peace with every. My prayer is that I would embody those things and that, that I could say, you know what? Follow me. Amber and I could say this, follow us as we follow Christ, like Paul wrote. I wanna be able to say that. And I've told our board, like if you spot us going the wrong direction, come bring it to us. Cause we don't wanna be those kind of leaders that lead you the wrong way. And I don't want us as a church to be the kind of church that values things that God doesn't value. That we just value things like the world does. I don't give a rip about that because we're not building the kingdom of the earth. We are building the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And as we said last week, his kingdom shall reign forever and ever and ever. That's what we're building for. Would we be those people? So I want to get to our big so what. We always say so what. Sis, the kingdom you desire blessing from ultimately has your allegiance. The kingdom you want blessing from. Do you want blessings here on earth? Do you want to be the, you know, I'm making the most money and I got the most things and everybody thinks I'm amazing. Do you want that stuff? great, just know that, that the kingdom of the world has your allegiance now. Because everything you're doing is to try and get blessing from this world. But if on the other hand you say, no, 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 God, I want your blessing. I want to build your kingdom. Okay, then I'm going to value the things that you say. Because I want you to have my allegiance. I give my allegiance to you. And those times when I get off course, I'm going to turn right back again and say, God, I want to pursue what your kingdom values not what I value, not what this world values. What I love about um, the gospel is that it isn't a God that stands far off and says, you people, get your junk together. Go live the way I tell you to live. Because what does it say? Jesus, leaving the glories of heaven, came. He showed us the way. You know what he's saying? Just come follow me. Just come follow me. Do it the way I did. Live the way I'm calling you to. Follow me. Will we answer his invitation this morning? As we wrap up this morning and close, I want to um, give a challenge for everybody, and it's a very simple. As I said, shared earlier, I want you to pick one beatitude and, and just pray for God's increased conviction in that area this week. But to help us, I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room. And I'm going to put uh, this list up on the screen here this morning. And this is just kind of the segments. Hopefully this will remind you what the segments are because I couldn't write them all out here this morning. And I'm gonna give you about 30 seconds to a minute to just pray and say, Holy Spirit, 
Would you highlight one of these areas? That God, maybe you're trying to bring a greater conviction in my life. Maybe you're saying, this is an area where you're struggling to live in submission to his kingdom. Would you pray, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. And then I'm gonna close a prayer together this morning. Take a moment, just ask the Holy Spirit to guide you today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to guide our hearts in this area. As I feel like you pointed the one you want me to, God, I pray you continue to do that for every one of us. Shine a light where we can step in this week. Because, God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be those who actually do something about it, who respond, respond in obedience to you, Lord. And so, Father, I pray you help every single one of us this week. Help us to live out. God, may we see. I pray you'll take the scales off of our eyes as we go throughout our weeks. We go through interactions and relationships at the office, those interactions at the office, and while we're driving, we're at school, at home. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see where the kingdoms of this world and the, your kingdom are kind of colliding a little bit, God, and where, we're, where we need to maybe take a step in a different direction. Help us this week to operate in submission to your kingdom and to your ways. Lord, I pray that our relationships would look different. God, our generosity toward others would be different this week. God, that we would take active steps to live out your kingdom values this week. God, may it not be just a cute little statement, but God, may it be a life-changing activity as we become who you are calling us to be. We pray that and we ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. Uh, if you have a need and you want somebody to pray with you, please do not head out the door this morning. Please come this way. Allow us to pray with you, uh, pray for you. Uh, if you are here this morning and you say, you know what, I don't even know if I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I never really surrendered my life to Jesus. I'm just going to hang out up here. If you'd like to talk, I'd love to just talk to you for a minute, help you on that journey. Uh, but otherwise, this week, my prayers, would we live it out? Let's take that thing to prayer, right? If you leave the room and do nothing until next week, nothing's going to change. But if you take that and say, God, help me to pray through this and, and, and actually take active steps this week, I believe God can begin to transform not just our mindset, but our lifestyle as well, all right? Uh, if you want to have a chance to meet our missionary, he's going to be standing out of the table. Get a chance to say hello. Uh, welcome him here this morning. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you, some of you in our small groups this week. Love you guys.